0: This is Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast.
1: Epilepsy is a neurological and physical condition that affects the brain and body. It also affects the ability of people to live their lives without worry. I'm Scott Webb, and on this special episode of Hello Healthy, I'm joined by epilepsy warrior Megan Ashley, her father James, and epileptologist Dr. Hari Kuni Vidu. They're here to share Megan's journey from her normal childhood to suffering her first seizure, being diagnosed with epilepsy, and today being seizure-free, thanks to the efforts of Dr. Vidu. So thanks, everybody, for being here. I'm going to start with you, Megan. How old are you? What do you do for a living? And mainly, what was life like before epilepsy?
2: So I am 21 years old. I am currently working two jobs. I work at a McDonald's and at an elementary school as a daycare aide. I'm also going to school to be a teacher and life before All of this just felt like a normal teenage life, going to high school, hanging out with my friends, I was playing soccer, it felt like a normal teenage life, and then it took a big turn. My junior year of high school is when it all got hard.
1: Yeah, it does sound like a pretty normal life, and then as you say, things got hard, and that's presumably when Dr. Vito enters the picture. So doctor, tell us about yourself, your background, and how you met Megan?
0: Hi, I am Hari Vidu. I'm an epilepsy specialist at Bakersfield, and I'm uh, primarily working at the dignity health system and also you know, working at other hospitals in the city as well. I saw Megan a uh, couple of years ago, and when she was referred to me with the history of uh, you know the mal seizures, and also she has um, you know the uh, rapid jerking of the arms, we call myoclonic jerks. And by the time, she was already seen at UCLA, and they diagnosed She has an epilepsy syndrome called juvenile myoclonic epilepsy. And she was already started on uh, two anti-seizure medications. At the time, she was on Keppra, and then uh, there is levetiracetam, and also on another medication called a Clobasum. The brand name is Onfi. And still, she continued to have a frequent, you uh, know, grandma seizure approximately at uh, one uh, seizure per month. And uh, so uh, so I saw her at that time. So then to uh, confirm the diagnosis, I did, uh, you know, like again, I repeated the EEG. So that showed findings consistent with uh, the initial impression of, uh, you know, like a primary generalized epilepsy. Uh, Since her seizures are not controlled with uh, these two medications, I started her on another third seizure medication called uh, Lamotrigine. Uh, or the brand name is Lamictal. Subsequently, I followed her up. Then, you know, the initial part, the seizures are not controlled. So that time, uh, I am also running an epilepsy monitoring unit in this uh, Beckesville. So I admitted there, I recorded her actual uh, one seizure and confirmed the diagnosis actually the juvenile myoclonic epilepsy and not, no, nothing any mimickers of, uh, you know, that kind of epilepsy syndrome. And then we just continued her uh, lamotrigine. And then since uh, May... 21st, uh, 2018, she become totally seizure-free.
1: Wow, that's amazing, since 2018. And we're uh, joined in this podcast by uh, Megan's dad, James. James, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity between you and Megan to discuss this journey, you know, with epilepsy and what was life like before treatment. We know that Megan mentioned that it was pretty normal, and I'm sure you would agree. So I'd like to just have the two of you kind of take us through what this journey has been like.
3: It's been a very interesting journey from the beginning. I mean, during my life, I've observed and responded to many seizure incidents through traumatic brain injury rehab clients, uh, where I used to work for my cousin, as well as in law enforcement and detentions. I mean, I would see people have seizures on a regular basis. um, And they were something that happened and just required a trained response. So I didn't really have that much attachment to it. And then when Megan was about three or four, we were at a, a John's Incredible for a, a birthday party. And we were just having a blast and playing all the games. And then all of a sudden, it, she seemed to go into a, what they labeled eventually as a stop stare event because of all the flashing lights, uh, which basically scared me to death. So she was standing there in a wake but she had no clue of what was going on around her. So off to the hospital, we went at the hospital. They told me how synchronized flashing lights have been known to cause seizures. And one study where uh, there was simultaneous events in Asia and that I should probably avoid places with flashing lights for her. And at that point, it was just a, a wait and see. So we, avoided those places and waited and that was all good for about 13 years and we had gotten back to to active living like she said we're just going through life dealing with school she was playing some some high level soccer going through that teenage girl stuff and at that point I was a single parent and we had actually completely forgotten about the stop stare event and then in 2016, life was different. I had had two shoulder surgeries and we noticed that Megs seemed to be getting what I just thought was kind of clumsy. And she started dropping things and spilling things and became irritable when it's all like, "Well, well, what's going on, kid? And then on March 7th of 2016, the whole world changed. I was writing a check for her I think it was for a yearbook or something, and then all of a sudden she was just standing there with that dead stare looking me in the face again, and down she went into a grand mal seizure. What I observed and responded over my, my many years now had an emotional attachment to it, and life's never been the same. So we went to the hospital that day, got stabilized, began the Keppra, and got a referral to UCLA Neurology, where Megan got the initial diagnosis for juvenile myoclonic epilepsy. Um, Fortunately, my cousin and his wife own the Center for Neuroskills here in Bakersfield. It's a brain injury rehabilitation facility. So I had the luxury of talking to to some doctors. And during those discussions, they highly recommended Dr. V. Dew, who is an epileptologist specializing in epilepsy, as opposed to just the general neurology. Uh, So we transferred care and have been 100% forward-moving ever since and very happy.
1: What an amazing story that you had had experience with seizures before, uh, that you had this connection through your cousin. Uh, What are your thoughts about all this, Megan?
2: I honestly think it's kind of crazy. I never expected... This to happen. I've never seen it in my family before. In high school, it was going, and I was excited. And because I was gonna get my license, I was even more excited. Unfortunately, I didn't get to drive at all in high school. And now, ever since seeing Dr. Vido, I am seizure free. I'm able to drive, and I actually got into making cups and I made myself a epilepsy cup. And some people saw it and they actually wanted to buy them. So I'm kind of getting into making those. It's really nice to have the support and have people understand because in my family, I don't know anybody that has seizures. So if there's a way for me to like connect with somebody who also knows what it's like, that's nice. So I don't feel like alone almost and that nobody knows what it feels like or anything like that. That's nice to, even if it's just on uh, Facebook, whereas I, I found a couple um, epilepsy groups, and so that's where I've kind of connected with people and have been able to talk about it, and I can reach out to them or they can reach out to me. Dr. Vido really helped, and I feel like my life is not back to normal. It'll never be normal again, but it's as close to normal as I'll ever get.
1: Yeah, I have a 17-year-old, and I know how important driving is to high school kids, and so I'm so glad to hear that you've got that, uh, you know, that you're behind the wheel and you've got that confidence and have made all these new connections and new friendships. Uh, It's really an amazing story. Doctor, you know, you had said that she didn't respond well to the first couple of medications, and then you found the one that did. Why do you believe this medication worked? Why do you believe it's been so successful that she's been able to make it so long being seizure-free?
0: Megan's epilepsy actually belonged to the group of, you know, the primary genetic epilepsy, where it actually, you know, seizures starting from the entire brain at the same time. Her epilepsy type is called juvenile myoclonic epilepsy, is uh, one of the uh, most common kind of uh, epilepsy syndrome. You know, the primary genetic epilepsy includes uh, childhood absent epilepsy or juvenile absent epilepsy. There are a few other uh, types also uh, under the primary, you know, like genetic epilepsy. So as uh, Megan's dad told, she had an episode of the staring uh, even like uh, uh, several years when she was a small child. Probably, uh, you know, she might have childhood absent epilepsy throughout her life. And as the time passes, you know, it sometimes, you know, like, it changes into this uh, um, juvenile myoclonic epilepsy. As I said, the juvenile myoclonic epilepsy can, de know, start when you are a teenager, or like some of the, you know, this childhood uh, uh, absent epilepsy. As the, uh, the, you know, when grow, it can transform into uh, juvenile myoclonic epilepsy. And then, uh, you know, there are certain kinds of medication like uh, really responsive to this kind of epilepsy syndrome. And uh, one of the best medication for this condition is actually something called valproic acid. But for females, unfortunately, you know, the the young women, we cannot prescribe uh, valproic acid because uh, this medicine is associated with a lot of, uh, you know, like a teratogenicity. It means that uh, when they become pregnant, uh, there is a high chance of uh, malformation of the as a child and also developmental abnormalities and everything. So we avoid um, valproic acid uh, in all costs in uh, women in the reproductive age group. From the UCLA, they already started her on Keppra levitracita. So it's kind of a, um, a medicine that, uh, you know, like generally people will start for uh, JME nowadays. And uh, so usually like a uh, uh, one other medicine that actually uh, good for this condition is lamotrigin and other medicine is actually topiramate Clobasum actually we add as a, like a second line medication i don't know what made them to start her on this uh, Clobasum you know when they found out that it is capra, the Levitracetam is not working so uh, you know it is very obvious to me that the second medication actually they have to try is uh, lamotrigin in a young female when you prescribe the medicine the most important thing we are worrying about uh, What is the chance of that going to cause like a birth defect to the babies? And uh, comparing to all the seizure medication, lamotrigine and the caprice, uh, the medication with the least uh, chance of having birth defect. So I started lamotrigine and then, you know, after optimizing the dose, she become uh, totally seizure free. And Another thing I want to emphasize uh, about the birth control in a young women: Some of the seizure medication actually interact with the birth control and the efficacy of the birth control will come down. Since she's on clobazam and the lamotrigine, there is a slight chance that uh, the birth control may fail. So that's what I always insist uh, people to take uh, a folic acid when they are on seizure medication in this age group. And always you should think about a planned pregnancy. If you want to get pregnant and then, you know, like a... Uh, We should make sure that your seizures are well controlled, your medication levels are good, and throughout pregnancy, we have to monitor the level so that we can prevent any breakthrough seizures. That's one point I need to really emphasize.
1: You know, I want to bring James back in and and have uh, Megan and James, you know, just kind of tell the community what you've learned about epilepsy. You know, Megan, you had said that you really didn't know much about it, didn't know anybody who had it, and and James, you'd had some experiences uh, through your work, but what would you like people to know about epilepsy?
2: Well... I know it can be very scary. I don't remember for a certain amount of time before it happened and then for a certain amount of time after it happened. Sometimes I don't even know I had one. It's scary because you never know. I mean, some people can, like, feel it coming on. I unfortunately can't. I think you really, once your seizures are controlled, you have to believe that everything and trust that everything's going to be okay. Because when I first got my license back, I was nervous, but I, I gained the confidence and I just trusted that everything would be okay. Even going to work, it can be scary because I don't know if I'm going to have one. I don't want to let epilepsy take over my life. I need to push through it. It can try and hold me back, that I'm just going to keep fighting. People just need to know that it's going to be okay. And if you can find somebody who knows how it feels, I think you should reach out, especially just to talk about it, because if you don't have anybody who knows what it's like, it's going to be hard to explain it to anybody. I think the main thing would be don't let it take over your life. If I would let it take over mine, I would still just probably be at home and just be disappointed, but uh, I'm not letting it take over my life. I'm going to do not always what I want to do, but two jobs, school, it can't take over my life. I need to push for what I want.
1: Definitely, and James, I'm sure you're uh, you're quite proud of her.
3: Oh, absolutely. Her experience has affected me greatly. And if I were to be able to talk to other patients, families, I would like to express that, that it, it will work out one way or the other, it will work out. And we may not like uh, some of the aspects of the journey, but our paths have a purpose. And Megan's situation definitely refocused me and my priorities and things I took for granted and the importance of being the dad role in her life. And having been an athletic coach to her, I needed to step up my game and be a parental coach to her. And listening to her, obviously some of those things have, have taken And that just makes me so proud. Um, So, in my case, I know that as a support role, it's up to me to make sure that my epilepsy warrior knows that she doesn't fight alone, and that someone is there to support her through it, to keep her safe if a seizure does break through, and to (laughs) never let her diagnosis dictate who she is or what she does.
1: Yeah, I uh, understand completely where you're coming from. I have a daughter as well, a 13-year-old, and I had the pleasure of coaching her and... Uh, I know how important that bond is between a dad and his daughter. I'm just so proud of you, Megan, and the support you get from your dad. And I love the message of just keep fighting. Every dad ever would want that for his kids, his daughter, especially. Doctor, as we finish up here tonight, just want you to share with the community what we need to know about epilepsy, we've heard Megan's perspective, a patient's perspective, and a dad's perspective. Now from you, doctor, what do we need to know about epilepsy that you think people don't already know?
0: In general, uh, what I want to tell with the people suffering from epilepsy, like uh, 70% of people with whatever epilepsy, with a focal or primary you know, genetic epilepsy, we can very well control it with the seizure medication. Only 30% of the patients in you know, the seizures cannot be controlled with the you know, seizure medication. But for those patients with the focal epilepsy, we have so many other options like an uh, epilepsy surgery or like uh, in, there are neuromodulation procedures like a uh, uh, responsive nerve stimulation, vagal nerve stimulation, dietary therapy. There are so many other options uh, available uh, now to you know take care of the epilepsy uh, uh, very well. So the most important thing is uh, making the appropriate diagnosis and uh, uh, you know getting the right medication and then follow with a specialist and then do the right thing and it will, overall the most important is in a, a very good family support system and Megan is so lucky to have a, a dad like James you know he, he most of the time he comes with um a, a appointment and he's so active in what he knows every aspects of the the treatment planning and everything so the so she's so blessed like that to get a dad like that so that actually you know uh, like a very very important Um, when you are dealing with a difficult situation like this. I think like uh, just uh, hearing the word epilepsy, you don't need to get uh, so much like terrified. There are a lot of hope. And then, you know, uh, to see a specialist and uh, select the right medication, that's the most important thing. And then, you know, uh, go from there.
1: Yes. Well, this has been an inspirational uh, conversation we've had. Megan, you've been um, so honest And really so amazing to tell your story, to take us through this journey, uh, to leave us with that message of don't let epilepsy uh, guide you, dictate your life, to keep fighting. Uh, James, the support that you have, the love you have for your daughter, you, you can even hear it from Dr. Vidu, you're always there, you're always involved, and you're always right there alongside Megan, fighting with her.
3: I cannot express the gratitude I have for Dr. Vidu's mannerisms, and like he said, uh, don't let it terrify you. I started to get a little choked up a little bit ago listening to her, (laughs) but it's definitely important that people understand that if you find a doctor that you respect and you trust and who is honest and open and will discuss it as thoroughly as he does with you, that the information can take the terror out of it. I mean, like I said, I'd seen several seizures before, but there was no emotional attachment. And for a doctor to be able to soothe that aspect in his treatment manner is an amazing thing, which encourages me and helps me as I support her because there is a, a caring factor And Dr. Vidu definitely has that.
1: I'm so glad that all of you came together to help solve this puzzle, this mystery for Megan and all of us parents. Anyone listening to this knows how you feel, James, that when we trust our children with a doctor, we need the information. We need someone to be transparent. We need to be able to trust them. And it sounds like you have complete trust and faith in Dr. Vidu. I wish we could all sort of group hug here. Uh, It's just really an amazing story. So proud of you, Megan, as I know the doctor and your dad are. And I just want to thank you again, all of you, for being here, for sharing this story. And sincerely, everybody, stay well. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That's father and daughter James and Megan Ashley and Dr. Hari Kuni-Vidu, an epileptologist with Dignity Health. For more information on epilepsy, go to dignityhealth.org slash bakersfield. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full library for topics of interest to you. This is Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well.